Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. been a few weeks it has been a few weeks <laughs> it's been a few weeks what have you been up to other. or has it been a few weeks or has it been, it's one, been week? Like one week <laughs> it feels like a month <laughs> you guys jill and i have spent so much time together that when we don't it feels like ages it literally is like i don't know what what you're doing like, actually yeah what are you doing with your life we have to catch up i was actually excited to do this podcast because i was like i have to ask jill what she's been doing because we haven't even really talked i know and you're you've been doing so much in vegas and like just out and about and oh my gosh i know it's been crazy so husband jill just went snowboarding and i was so so upset only for myself because i wanted to go and i wanted to see her go for the first time because of my neck i just don't want to risk it but uh we figured there were some lessons. She sent an email. If you're on, if you're not on her email list, you need to get on Jill's email list. But she sent an email yesterday, and I go, let's talk about that. That was really such a good lesson. Yeah. So it was. Um. I know. I was so bummed that you couldn't go. Um. I actually borrowed Danny's boarding outfit before the first time because I was like, I don't want to spend like three hundred bucks if I don't have like to if I don't know if I love it. And Danny's like one size smaller than me, so let's just say the pants were really tight. <laughs> <laughs> did you buy did you buy a new outfit? I ended up buying yeah, okay. my own stuff. Yeah. I was like, I don't rec- I couldn't tell from the picture, but I thought it was. Yeah, a, yeah, so then we so that was the first time and then we ended up going to for a few days to Colorado and it was a lot, like two full days on big ass mountains. It uh-huh. wasn't like we were going down like the bunny slopes. Like we went up to the tippity top and I was like, I guess I'll get down. I don't know some fucking way. <laughs> so it took a long time. I ended up, you know, wiping out quite a bit. I ended up getting better by the end of it for sure. But you know, so I did fall a million times and it was a different type of fall. It was kind of like a car accident type trauma <laughs> yeah, fall, yeah. you know, like bruising and stuff You're versus being like sore from workout. whiplash at 50 mile, 15 miles an hour, just like, Poo. I know. I mean, it was, so yeah, it was just a different way. And I was like, you know, it was interesting watching myself as sore as I was and going consecutive days. And I remember we'd get to the bottom of the hill and I'd be so exhausted, not only physically exhausted, but like mentally exhausted, mm-hmm. just from like trying so hard and like trying to pay attention to so many different things. And then, um, you know, my boyfriend would be like, do you want to go again? I'm like, yeah, let's go again. And I was like, this is so odd to me that like we will voluntarily put ourselves in these situations of discomfort at times in order to get better at something. And so then I just said, you know, this is interesting because, of course, if we're trying to learn a new language or we're trying to learn a musical instrument or any hobby or anything – we always expect that we're going to suck at the beginning. Like we would never try to learn new language, go to a country and expect that we wouldn't mess up. Of course we're going to mess up. We're going to do our best. But when it comes to certain parts of our lives, I think we expect that we're going to be perfect in it. Like whether it's like a relationship or whether it's, uh, you know, food and exercise or with our finances. And we forget to approach these things as if they're skills. And so I know for me, and this is, you know, something I think maybe you're the same. I don't know, but I don't like doing shit that I'm not good at. So I've had to check my ego and be like, all right. And I just wonder why sometimes, you know, what makes one of like one way we're like, okay, we're willing to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but we don't fully trust that we're good yet. Yep. And then other times with food and exercise, we just expect ourselves to be perfect. And if yeah. we aren't, we just say, fuck it. 
it and was, eat whatever you want. Yeah, when you you sent the email out and you talked about that and then talked about the food and exercise and it just resonated so hard with me because we tend to be such perfectionists or going like it's New Year's, people are starting a diet and they're like, oh, I messed up, just forget it. Like you throw in the towel and you go and you could do that, I guess, if you're snowboarding, but you can't quit halfway down the mountain. Like you're going to have to get to the bottom to get to your car. So you get down and you're like, and it's so funny. I think the snowboarding was such a great example because it's frustrating. And at the same time, it's same time. It's so fun. I remember the first time I went uh, mountain biking and at the very end of it, I went with this guy and he goes, what'd you think? I go, I don't know if I hated it or loved it because it was so stressful. It was terrifying. Going up the mountain was so arduous. And I remember going, oh my gosh, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. But then on the ride down, it was so exhilarating, like a roller coaster, so much fun that I kind of forgot all of the hard parts to get up to the top. And I think that it comes with a lot of things in life that we we get stuck in that hard part and we forget that there really is kind of that place where finally it gets easier and then suddenly we're coasting and we're having fun, but too many people quit before we even get to that place. Totally. And some of the things are just, I think because we don't think of them as a skill, like eating. Yes. Right. Because really, oh, it's common sense. Right. I think a lot of times we think like, I should be able to do this. It's not that fucking hard. They're like, of course, sure. going up, you know, and snowboarding for the first time at like 12,000 feet above sea levels, like, okay, that's going to be hard. Yeah. But like, oh, eating's just eating. Like I should be able sure. to do this. Uh, and maybe beat ourselves up if we don't have enough willpower or yeah. we don't have enough discipline or whatever. By the way, you were born or you grew up in Boston. You never skied or anything no. growing up? Oh, interesting. I know. It was one of those things. Just Our family just never did that. Yeah. You know, my mom was a full-time yep. single parent working and she's like, you know, she didn't have time to teach me to ski like yeah. or whatever. So I had this one moment. The guy I was dating in college had a like a winter home in Vermont and I was it was our sophomore year of college and over Christmas break and we went up and he grew up skiing so he was like well I'll, I'll teach you to ski this and that and it took me like, probably an hour and a half to get down the mountain and I cried like yep. the whole fucking time and I remember getting to the bottom being like I'm not doing I this I hate this yeah, I hate I'm not this doing I'm doing this that was 15 years ago yeah. so you're like okay and so boarding to me felt a little bit easier than skiing I don't know if that's like typical for people but boarding mm-hmm. felt a little bit easier to me and also I think I was just in a different headspace where I was just like you know what yeah I just I want to get better at this and that was mainly the point of the email was if we want something bad enough we're willing to suck at it for a while not only suck at it but actually get hurt repeatedly (laughs) it's funny because that's part of the learning process too one I think the motivation to get better is because I I know I wanted to be I was motivated to get better at snowboarding because it hurts when you freaking fall so I want to get good so I stop falling but also it makes it more fun and more enjoyable when you get better. So, but every single fall teaches you something. You're like, oh, whoops, I can't do that. That made me crash. Or oops, I can't go on that foot because that ended in a disaster. So we are constantly using feedback to learn. And I think that piece goes right back into the food thing of what's the feedback. And it's something you teach so well. And I thought this, I love analogies. So I was like, this is such a good analogy because you, you always say, okay, you use that as feedback. Am I hungry after? Am I satisfied? You go, okay, that didn't work. It made me binge or this didn't work. It made. I think we're scared of the the messing up, right? So you fall on the mountain, you get a bruise, which sucks. It's painful, but it's not as quote painful as gaining 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. You know, for most women, I would say like, we are unwilling to mess up when it comes to eating and exercise because we feel like the ramifications are going to be too steep. What if I gain five pounds? And my whole thing is none of that shit is 
irreversible. Sure. You can lose five pounds. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Like as fast yep. as you gained it, you can always lose it. And I think sometimes we don't like that wiggle room of trying mm-hmm. to figure it out when it comes to eating exercise because the, the consequences of messing up are more painful than having a bruise right. on your shoulder, you know, yeah. whatever. And also the consequences are really about your perspective, right? We think that gaining five pounds is going to be so much worse, but it's like, is it? You're like clothes still fit. Do people, yeah. Do people Friends go, still love dang. you. Business still work it. Like, I mean, <laughs> yep, yep. it totally is. It's like we create the, we create the consequence as a bigger consequence than it is. It literally is just about the same as falling down and getting back up. And it can be that simple, but we, we just complicate it. You know, I thought about it in, t- in terms of business too. So last night, the reason why I wanted to have this conversation was a little bit about the email and obviously, you know, boarding. And then we had a friend of ours over last night to interview. He has a podcast and he's doing an interview and we were talking about um, business and he's an entrepreneur. Obviously, Danny and I are entrepreneurs and sometimes we don't leave enough room for messing up in our business too, because it's so personal. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, health and fitness professionals who are just starting their business and they assume that everything is going to be good. They go, well, if I just do A and B, then I'm definitely going to get C result. And in my experience, that's just not the way that it always works. And so it's so close to you. If it's your business, it's your baby. So like if something doesn't go right, you take it so personally and you get so scared because you a lot of times are not making enough money or you're scared you're not going to be making enough money. So it's interesting. Whereas if you think if you work for a corporation, you try mm-hmm. some shit and yep. if it doesn't work, you're like, oh, like it didn't really work. Like next yep. time we'll do better. It doesn't. Yeah. Right. You're like, and I think if you ask someone who works in corporate, they're like, not everything ever works amazingly mm-hmm. well. Like we wish it did. And yep. so, but in our businesses, if especially for entrepreneurs, I think we expect that like, it's just going to be amazing or it's just going to work. And when it doesn't, it cripples us yep. to the point of a lot of people throwing the towel. I think part of the problem that we have with having the expectations is due in part to social media and how marketers, how entrepreneurs, like, inf- <laughs> how much, well, I spit it out, how internet marketers and entrepreneurs are selling how, what they're doing and how they're doing it. So they're trying to sell a lifestyle of, look, I have freedom, the laptop lifestyle, but they don't show enough or a lot of the process that it took to get there. So for us on the outside, it looks like an overnight success. And what I love about podcasts and interviews and like listening to interviews with successful people, that's when they do say, look, I tried this and this and this, and I slept on my friend's couch and I slept in a car. I mean, I can't tell you how many stories we heard of people sleeping in cars, sleeping on couches, being broke, borrowing from friends, um, trying things that didn't work over and over and over. But unfortunately, a lot of times we're seeing them at the you know, the top of the mountain, so to speak. And we didn't see the climb up because it wasn't as visible and there's all that. So I think and part there's a of- lot of like shame around it, yeah. right? Like I'm not going to be like blasting my failures all over social media, especially, especially in real social media yeah. to sell, yeah. right? And especially so, in real time as yeah, well. Yeah. And I think it's, but I do think it's important if you are a coach or you're a teacher to share your struggles with your students or with your clients, because I think that they see it as like, okay, I can be successful, yeah. but I have to be willing to mess up. Yep. I have to be, so, um, you know, there's a construct in, in social psychology called uh, failure expectation. And I tend to think about there's like two different types of people. There's people who expect that things are going to be smooth sailing, right? Especially like to your point, if you're if you're working with a, a coach or you're working with a marketer and they're going, I'm going to show you my fail-proof system mm-hmm. or no guesswork, like it's all these marketing terms, right? And yep. then you buy into something and you're going, hey, I thought it was fail-proof. Like why am I why am I failing? failing? You know, and so I think that for some people, the expectation is if I just do the work, 
then I'm going to, I can achieve the results. Yeah. And there are so many variables in all things, whether it's relationships, the other person, whether it's food and, you know, it's like your physiology, whether it's your business, it's the marketplace. Like there are so many different variables. And so like one person feels like things are going to be smooth sailing. And when they inevitably run into that barrier, they give up. It cripples them into an action. They take it personally. They can't get around it. They can't see outside of it. And then there's a second type of person. I think you and I, you know, the reason you want to talk about this is because this is kind of how we are is we expect this shit's going to come up. Last night, I think I shared this. I don't know if I shared this on the podcast, but I was doing a huge launch a few years ago and I had a lot of affiliates that were going to be working with me, which means like basically they were going to be pushing it to their audiences and they were going to get a kickback. So I was launching my mindset makeover course and, um, I had like maybe 10 or 15. You were actually doing it, I think. And it was the night before. Was this the one? It the was the one. one. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so Danny was actually going to be an affiliate for me. Yeah. And you lost money. <laughs> Talk about a mess up, a business mess up. Yeah. I'll tell you that one. After. <laughs> so I had told my affiliates, okay, cool. Send everyone to the sales page at 9am Eastern the next morning. It's the night before the launch. We're getting ready to literally send thousands of traffic to this website. And I get on and I'm still working. And then I'm like, what's going on? And it's midnight the night before. And my entire website turned into a porn site. Oh, Lord. And I was literally like, what? <laughs> like, I was freaking out. I'm getting ready. It was already too late. I couldn't get a hold of my affiliates. They had yep. already queued up their emails. Yep. Like, it was happening. Oh, and I was like, disaster. how is that my, yeah, it was just like spyware or something. Like, attack my site. And I had a porn site. And I was like, uh, so I freaked the fuck out, obviously. But I was, remember, I was on Google and I was trying to, luckily I found like an emergency WordPress like hack person at like one in the morning the night before and they got it back online and like, de you know, just got the bug out and whatever. But like, that's an extreme example, mm -hmm. but I don't know about you, but I've never done a launch that's gone 100% smoothly. There's oh, always tech issues. Gosh. There's customer service stuff that happens. Like there's just things that you're not ever going to be able to control. So then the question becomes, are you brave enough? to act anyway, knowing that and expecting that things are going to come up. Yeah. It's, that's a hilarious story. I didn't actually know until you meant you said it last night on the podcast. Um, cause I've had porn sites, like my sites do that too, where yeah. a fan is like, Hey, uh, this is porn. And I go there. I'm like, Oh my gosh. And it's terrifying, especially if you're launching with affiliates, holy cow. But we do have those stories. We do have things that come up and a conversation you and I and Lawrence had last night from the podcast is, is that something inborn? Is it something you could teach? And first for the last night while I was talking about it, I thought it was inborn, but I realized that I didn't used to be this way. I was such a perfectionist type child. I always got straight A's in school. I was always the top of my game. So I was kind of the person who literally, and I hate to say this, but if I was like, if I suck, then I don't want to play. Like totally. if I am I not good at it, I'm not going to do it. Right. So I remember playing sports and I was like, I hate this. So I would just be like, no, I don't like it because it protected me from sucking yep. and because things were so easy for me. And so yep. I think it was a handicap for me a little bit growing up because things were very easy for me. Um, athletically, things were very easy for me in school. Things are very easy for me. I picked things up super easy. The first time I struggled was in algebra in eighth grade. And that was the first time I never got an A in a class. I had straight A's my whole life and it was easy. And I remember just going, well, I just hate math. Like I was, I didn't want to try to get good at it. I was just like, well, I don't need this then because yep. I'm not good at it. So it must not be for me. And I can't remember at what point that attitude changed and shift. I think it kind of started in college where I realized I actually had to start working for grades instead of just coasting. And actually I do know where it started. Um, when I was an acrobat at SeaWorld, 
same thing. Everything was coming really easy for me. I was showed up too late, two weeks late to rehearsal and all of the team had been learning the new apparatus and I picked it up like that, like within the first two days. So it's getting all this praise and affirmation. And there was a girl named Alyssa, another acrobat who was struggling and she would stay after and work harder. And we have this thing called Russian swing. It's basically a giant swing set that launches you 30 feet in the air to do flips into the water. And 30 feet is a long way to fall and water sounds like it's soft, but it's not. If you hit on a belly flop or back flop, you like feel like you're going to die, like yeah. you're hitting concrete. There was a time I hit my back and was coughing blood all day. But Alyssa would be out there on the swing and she'd ask people to help her. And she just kept learning and learning. And I was picking up these tricks so fast, kind of just taking advantage of it. And then she started to catch up to me. And so my competitive nature was like, oh no, this chick can't be like as good as me or better because she was like way worse when we started. And I think that was one of the first times I realized that I better not just rest on my laurels and work hard. I have talent, but talent only gets you so far. And there is that quote, like talent will get you so far and hard work will get you the rest of the way. And there's lots of talented people. And there's people like me that rest on their talent and then people, people who work harder past them. And I saw that in 2003. And I think that was when I first really shifted and go and thought, I'm going to have to start working at stuff. And that was also the same year I was paralyzed and I had to work really mm. hard just to get back to being normal. And it was a shift in my mindset. So I do think that there is some inborn part of people that want to persevere and want to push. There's also pieces like me who maybe are perfectionist and just like quit at the first sign of struggle. But I think that if you do want something bad enough and you can hold the vision mm. and you realize that it's not failure, it's just every time something doesn't work, it teaches you how mm -hmm. to make it work or mm -hmm. what to not do, mm -hmm. then you can always win. I think the more adversity you have to, that you do encounter, the easier it becomes to be tenacious. So like, for example, uh, like an example would be, I don't know, say you're trying to start your online business. I know you went through this too and both of us did, but like at the beginning, I remember the first like troll or hater that I got ruined my day, like ruined my week, <laughs> yep. right? Like I couldn't, I was so upset and I know people who literally like shut down their entire website, shut down their blog and just were like, I'm not doing it as a result of getting one troll or hater. And so that to me is very fragile, right? It's very fragile to like be like just crippled by like that thing. And now, mm -hmm. I mean, and then you just get more and you get more and you get more. And I think for you and I, we've probably gotten less than most people, but it just gets easier and easier. Like now if I get a comment on my thing, it's like no issue. Like it doesn't yep. even, maybe for 10 seconds, I look at it and think about it. And then it's like on to the next one. So I think the more adversity or the more uh, challenges that come up, the easier it is to continue to progress or to be tenacious. 100%. And so it's kind of a catch 22. It's like, you have to be the most resilient at the beginning mm -hmm. when you're the least likely to want to be. Yeah. So true. It's tough. It is. It. It's like it. I think though it becomes this, it's like earning your, it's like earning the right to, it's like you're earning your right to success. Honestly, you almost do just have to earn it and prove it. It's when success comes easy, it either, it doesn't last or I don't think it feels as good. Yep. And as silly as it is, cause we all want the success without the struggle, but none of us would appreciate it as much without the struggle. It's interesting because it's, um, you know, I tell my girls who are building their online business and they're just getting started. I say, you do realize that it's an insult to people who have been doing it for like five years, six years, 10 years to think it's going to be easy. Mm -hmm. It's insulting mm -hmm. to think that within six months, you're going to have a business that's just as successful as someone who's been grinding for 10 years. Like, sorry, yep. like yep. get in line. 
And I think it's one of those things where, to your point, I think we think it should be easier than it is. Mm -hmm. So my practice is constant expectation management and constantly and having what I call a pivot mindset where like, there's always somewhere to go, right? There's always something to do. There's always somewhere else to go. There's like an example with the snowboarding is like, okay, if I didn't, if I got up to the top and like, it was a real struggle getting down, I'm like, cool. Is there a bunny, like, you know, hill that I can Mm -hmm. do? Is there, should I switch to skiing? Like there's always an option to do something else. If it's just not for you. So same thing in business. You and I have both had major successes in business and total flops in business, but we have to go, cool. It wasn't this thing over here. Yep. Don't take it as personally as maybe I would have 10 years ago, right? If I, if I hadn't been successful at the beginning, I don't know that I would have kept going. I'm e- it's easier to work through the failures now because you have a body of evidence that you have done well, that you are, that can be confident that it's not really about you. It's about marketing or it's about the program. It's about the, the market itself or the audience, or you're not delivering it right or the value or something else. So you don't have to take it personally. And then cause as soon as you take it personally, yeah. it's over. You know, what's funny is we actually do seek the challenge. Cause I was thinking if you got on the slopes and you went down the first time without falling and it was perfect, I know exactly what you do next. You'd be like, cool, where's like a ramp? I'm going to try jumping. Or, you know, like as soon as it does get easy for people, they want to try the next thing that's harder. So I've snowboarded a little more. And when I was doing it more a few years back, the last time I went, I was like, I'm going to try jumps this time because I wasn't falling anymore. So now I'm like trying to make myself fall off of little ramps and jumps. So we tend to, as soon as it gets easy, we want a challenge. So it's kind of silly when we get upset that the beginning is a challenge because you're like, you know what, you're going to, you're going to want a challenge later. When I was doing personal training, my clients at the beginning, I remember them crying and being so like, I'm so sore, I'm so sore. And then maybe 12 weeks into it, they go, Danny, I'm not sore anymore. I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you were complaining about when you were sore. Now you're now you're like trying Complain to get that sore. You're not yeah. Sore. So yeah. we do actually want a challenge and we forget that when it's because sometimes we just feel like it's too hard. It's like I want a little challenge, not too much. But we do actually want it. We just need to remember that we are choosing this. Like we're choosing the challenge. We're choosing we might not choose how it looks, but we would actually get really bored if it was easy and we would look for something harder to do. Like so I let me guarantee. Ask you about, <laughs> totally. And I totally agree with that. He's always like the next level, right? It's like, and, and you and I talked about this when we were doing shows. It's like, cool. Well, let me see if I can get a little leaner next time. Let me see if I can get out a little muscle next time. It was like this constant never ending journey. And I think that they've actually shown in positive psychology research that like we feel the most alive when we're striving. If we hit the top of the mountain and we're like, we've accomplished something, we feel relief. Like, oh, I did it, yep. but it's fleeting. We're like, what's the next challenge? And so, yes, to your point, balance. What if you're talking to a client or you're talking to someone who's like, who knows they need to get out of their comfort zone? Maybe it's a relationship thing or maybe it's a business thing. And they keep like going up to the discomfort and then coming back. Mm -hmm. And then they go up to the discomfort and then they pull back. How would you get them to actually step into the discomfort and like just be in that space, that super uncomfortable space? Besides pushing them out of the airplane, um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, you've always seen those videos of people uh, skydiving and just get pushed out. You know, the last podcast episode I did with Ashley, she talked about taking big goals and breaking them down smaller. And I think maybe for some people who can't go over that hump, maybe it does need to be broken down into something more bite-sized and attainable. Because often we do get, we do just get so scared that we won't make a change. We won't take a step anymore. We become paralyzed. So I've been there many times where I've made a lot of progress, a lot of progress, and then maybe something just happens that's 
bigger and it scares you so like for me right now for relationships <laughs> I am like so terrified to be in a relationship I, I'm trying to figure out that myself like what's the next baby step right okay I've already dated maybe I need to I, I don't know I don't know what that is yep. but we do get scared and so I think it's trying to break it down into something smaller that you can do because it's getting those little wins. It's getting like a little, okay, cool. I did that. Now I can do the next thing. I think we also project too far down the line. Like one of the things, and you know this, I've talked about this with being in my new relationship. I'm like, I'm not projecting. I'm just going like, I'm literally just going like, what am I choosing today? What am I choosing this week? What yep. am I choosing this month? And that's as far as I'm planning, yep. you know? So I think I'm trying to, uh, instead of going, oh my God, I'm going to get hurt again. It's going to be so painful. I'm, you know, what are we going to date for a couple of years that I'm single at 40, like, and projecting out all these scenarios. And it's fucking hard, dude. This is trust yep. in motion right now, trusting like, you know, and not projecting out the that ways is, in which it could go wrong. It is actually about trust and doing one thing at a time what's in front of you. We told we were talking about this last night. Yep. One of my um, brand partners from my old network marketing company, she, had, she hadn't sold a single, she hadn't got a single customer, a single person to work with her. And she was looking at me where I had made a lot of money the last year and I was working on taxes and kind of dealing with some tax strategy stuff that I had never dealt with before. And she goes, well, I'm so worried about taxes. I was like, listen, you haven't even made a single dollar. You don't even need to worry about taxes for a while. And I had built this over time and I had a large audience and I had a lot of things where I knew even if she worked hard, it would take her a couple of years before she even got to the place where, she, where I was and needed to worry about that. But sometimes we do project so far down the road that it takes us from making any kind of decision in the now, which is silly. And I think that's when it's kind of nice to have a friend or a coach and talk through it because sometimes you don't realize how ridiculous it is where you're like, go on a first date and I'm like, I can't marry this guy. So right, I'm not going like, to go on the second date. And you're like, <laughs> well, how about you just be here right now on the first date? <laughs> it's so true. So last night or so yesterday, I wrote the email about snowboarding. And then I wrote like at the bottom, I was like, oh, and also like, you guys are my inner circle. I'm in love right now. Like, you know, go check out my dude on Insta. Like basically it was kind of like, you know, just a little like throw. So my dad afterwards <gasps> texts me. Oh my God. Right after he goes, <gasps> so you're in love. Aww. And it was almost like, I took it like it was kind of like accusatory. And I go, accusatory. no, it wasn't. I just took it that way. Cause I was like, what, why does it matter? Like, don't pay attention. So I, um, so then I wrote back and I said, yes, I am. And then he goes, um, is he? Oh, I said, yes, he is. And then he goes, well, congratulations. And then I immediately found myself being like, I'm not trying to marry the dude, but like, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah we're having like a good time, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I think sometimes we project 10 steps down the road mm -hmm. instead of just honoring what's in front of you. And one of the things I always tell my girls is like, you got to go through step one to get st to step yeah. number two. Yep. And you won't know what step number two is and what it looks like until you've gone through step number one. So it's like, you know, I mean, I think that if you're trying to project out and you're going like, well, what would this look like a year from now? The, the, the reality is you won't know until a year from now. Who knows? You just yeah. won't know. And you won't know for so many reasons. Um, Natalie Hodson always gives this example. She goes, look at the iPhone. You know, right now we got iPhone 10, iPhone X, whatever it's called. It, they had to start with the first iPhone, the iPhone 1. And then they made changes and upgraded from there. They could have never guessed iPhone 10 with the face technology when they started at the first no. the first iteration. Yep. So and it evolves. everything we do really takes trying, adjusting, 
going back to the drawing board, trying, adjusting, scrapping some ideas. I'm sure that there's things in Apple we've never seen because they were just like, no, this isn't going to cut it. Totally. I mean, I guarantee there were tons of ideas. And I'm, there are things that are probably from the first iPhone that they've taken out we don't even remember. I know Facebook looks completely different than it ever yep. did. So we do have to just go, cool, this is step one. It's going to look messy. It's going to look shitty. Maybe not as perfect or polished as I think it's going to be. It's not going to feel as easy as it seems to look for everyone else. That's like elite athletes. You're watching the Olympics and they make it look so easy and it is not. Like they are at the highest level of athleticism. And because they have practiced over and over and over and made a million mistakes and started from zero, that they are able to make it look easy. And so many of us in business starting out are looking at the people who've been doing it for a long time, who've been doing the hard work, the things that you don't see, and you're looking at the shiny, like it looks easy. And you're like, no, it's not. We are not watching their practice runs. We're not watching the football games, like their practice games. We're watching the game that they're on and they're ready and they're prepared for. We're not watching when they were in sixth grade trying out for the football team. So true. And it's like, you know, I always tell people it's like, now's time to mess up. No one's fucking watching. Like no one's paying attention. Like, you know what I mean? If you're starting your online business and you're so worried about like, what if I, you know, I, a lot of my girls are really worried about my posts need to be perfect. And I'm literally like, there's a hundred people following you and they're all your friends and family who already fucking love you. So it's fine. You know what I mean? It's like, get your mess ups in now yep. when no one's paying attention because you'll be that much better, you know? And, and I remember God, like, and I'm sure you're the same, my old YouTube videos are the worst. <laughs> I didn't even take them down because I was like, these just need to be documented. Like from 2010, yeah. they are terrible. I mean, literally one person goes, are you in a jail cell? Because there was a <laughs> like an electrical outlet like right above my head and it's like in a concrete just block. It's like a cement wall behind me. And I was like, no, that's a closet. I mean, it was just fine. But my yeah. energy sucked. I was looking down. Yeah. I was saying, um, all the time. It was awful. But it was because I did so many videos. And I, I did so many, like, when I got to ask to speak, I remember for the very first time, it was a very small group at Wake Forest University. It was like nine people or like eight people. Super casual. It was like a lunch and learn kind of a thing. I was 22 years old. And I remember being like, oh my God, I've never, I, don't, I was so nervous, but I just said yes. I just fucking said yes. Cause I was like, I'll figure it out. And so that's where if you have a moment with something and you have an opportunity and it's something totally outside of your comfort zone, say yes. And then you can run away, like say yes, run away. And then figured out because the, to me, there's so much utility in putting yourself on the hook. I remember saying yes to that thing. And I remember as it was getting ready to come up, I was like, I've never given a talk before. These people are like 45 years old. I'm 22. What do I know? Like, they're going to find me out. I'm an imposter. I remember printing out like all these pages of stuff. I had like all this like AFA and ACE, like, you know, information. And for, and they didn't know. Nope. And I remember getting so nervous and like so prepared, overly prepared, yeah. showing up. And they were like, this is great, Jill. Thanks so much. Like, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But I think in our, but without saying yes to those things mm -hmm. when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, putting myself doing the YouTube videos when I was like, I sucked ass at them, keep doing them, keep doing them now. And you're the same. Like I'm able to be a little bit better of a speaker. I'm able to do more webinars, do podcasts. Like yep. I could have done a podcast 10 years ago, five yep. years ago. I would have sucked. Yeah. I'm still not good. Right. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> we still say like a million we're times. St we're still making it up as we go. Actually, yep. we, we've had people go, how do you do a podcast? And Jill and I are like, we don't know. We're doing it, but we don't know what we're doing. We, we sit, we record, we mess up. I mean, you've heard some of our podcasts and the audio's audio crap because we yeah. mess it up and we're going, okay, well that didn't work, but we're still going to put it out there because we think the content's good and hopefully the audio will get better and better. But you know, we're still just doing it. The, when I was 22, I actually got 
hired. I was an acrobat already. And there was a nightclub in Phoenix and they were opening like this Vegas style Cirque du Soleil kind of nightclub thing. And so my coach, she could, she was already performing at a nightclub in in Vegas. And she goes, why don't you go down there? So I was in college. It was $250 a night, which was like the most money for, for one day. They flew me down. It was like so glamorous, right? They'd fly me down. I perform, get $250, go home. But the apparatus I'd never touched before. They had this wall walking thing. I'd never done a wall walk. They had a bungee, which I knew how to do it, but I've never actually done it. And they had this trapeze and I'd never done the trapeze either. So I get down there and I'm telling my coach, she just goes, just fake it. They don't know either. And I was like, okay. So I figured it out and I just made it up as I went along and nobody knew the difference because they weren't acrobats. So I was just like, oh yeah, I'm just, this is new equipment. I got to, you know, mess up a little bit. And literally I, that was one of the most empowering experiences I had because I just, I showed up. I said, yes, I had literally never seen any of these equipment and I made it work. And then I felt like a rock star, but I mean, my coach was literally like, just fucking do it and you will figure it out. I was like, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. And sometimes we need the push and we do, like you said, you just, somebody asks you to speak, you're like, sure. And then you go cry in your room and go, I've never spoken before. I don't know. They're never, and you don't even have to tell them. You don't have to say, no. hi guys, I've never spoken before. No. You're my first one. You just don't, you just go and they don't know the difference. They don't know the difference. I didn't show up and say, I've actually never been on a bungee before, but here I go. I mean, cause right. they're hiring me, expecting me that I yep. do know. <laughs> you know, and I know the mantra, like fake it till you make it is not really a popular I mean, it's, I, it's not really popular among entrepreneurs that like, no, you know, like don't fake it. Like, you know, be about it. And like, to me, you have to fake it a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's like a gap between what you're super comfortable doing and what you're uncomfortable doing. And that gap is faking it a little bit. And you eventually have to make it, right? Like you eventually have to make it. But I do think there's something to what you said, showing up to that thing that you had and just pretending that you've done it a fucking million times. Yep. Like, you know, if you're trying to work with, you're trying to work with a client and this is the first client you've ever had, you better fucking come with the competence yep. and the confidence, even if you don't have it, you got to fake it. The truth is, is that you have spoken before. You have taught before, just maybe not in that aspect. I was an acrobat. I had the skills. I just didn't have it particularly on that. So mm-hmm. we just have to realize that if somebody asks you to do something and it's out of your comfort zone and you feel like I've never done this, you have done it just not in that capacity. So so you have to, what is that trust or what is that? I think that is, I think that is trust and it's just applying it's applied knowledge, right? So let's say it's your very first client. Well, you've trained yourself. So yep, you have trained before you just haven't trained to another person. So, you know, you have to take the applied knowledge you use on yourself, the applied knowledge you've learned from books and then use it on a person. And that's what I did in that acrobatic situation. I had been on some bars, a bar is like a trapeze. So I applied the knowledge and strength that I learned in that. I've been on some spotting belts, which is like the bungee. So I just use that. So really when you're asked to do something that maybe you've never done, you can dig in and go, you know what? I actually do know how to do this. I'm not faking it. I might be faking this particular instance, but I have done this before, just not in the way that I think it looks. You know what? Let's talk about that because we talked about this at Christmas and I want to bring this back up. So you guys, Danny and I went to our friend Lori Harder was giving a TED talk and it was a TEDx talk. So it was like, it was local. So we went there and there was maybe like six or seven people giving TEDx talks that night. And I think you and I witnessed probably what would be our worst nightmare when it came to a speaking, right? And even that wasn't as bad. So like worst case scenario, you are giving a huge speaking game, right? You're on a TEDx stage. This is a pretty big deal, right? There's literally hundreds of people in the audience. This woman got up and I don't exactly know what her message was and I don't really remember anything about her, which is probably good, but 
And she started giving her speech and she, you could tell that it was 100% uh, memorized. And so she got a few lines in, confident a few lines in, and completely forgot, completely forgot what she had memorized. Like to the point that she kept like clearing her throat. It was dead she, silent. She just froze. And froze, then she tried to start over. Dead, started over it again. Started over a couple of times. And so I think you and I would go like, you just have to go off script. Like yeah. you don't, okay, cool. Like you forgot the, you forgot the memorization. Just talk, just say whatever, right? It would be, have been better than trying to go back and remember exactly like you, you're, you're a master of this material. Yeah. Just go off, you know, what you know. And I think that would be probably the biggest nightmare that any of us would have in a public speaking capacity. But even that wasn't too bad. Yeah. We're talking about it on a podcast, right. but like <laughs> even that wasn't as even bad. That, like we just felt bad for her. We felt compassion sure. for her. And sure. it was just like, it, she didn't die. No. So, but you're right. And you do just, cause we were like, okay, just talk, just, just say anything. Like strip. you know it, yeah. go for it. Like everyone's <laughs> on our team. Right. Yeah. That's the thing I think we forget too is, and I remember I have a friend of mine who's an author and one of, and we talked about like speaking gigs and he said, you know, one thing I remember, cause he, he goes, he travels around and gives a lot of speeches at different bookstores and stuff like that. He's a New York times bestseller. And he said, you know, one thing to remember is that these people are already on your team. Mm-hmm. They want you to do well. Yep. They're in the audience rooting for you. They're not looking for chinks in the armor. Yep. They want you to be successful. So they're already on your team. It's like Sonia Hatter uh, at Thrive. Uh, Cole Hatter runs Thrive. Sonia's his wife. She had never spoken on a stage ever. And her first talk was at the Thrive stage. It was like 1,500 people last year. And she was so nervous. And you could tell she was nervous. And she came out and was kind of reading off of slides and things like that. But you could tell everyone in the audience was so just rooting for her and excited. And they're like... I mean, standing ovation, and it was just like the bravery watching somebody do something hard and scary and just going through it, doing it anyway. It really is that people are on your side and they do want to see you succeed. And they don't even, it, they don't even care if you mess up. It's not like they're going, ha, I knew I it. knew they were going to mess <laughs> up. Like It's like if she messed up, if there was any kind of mess up, people would just clap. It's like, okay, good. You, go, keep you going. Keep yeah. going. You know, we want to see people be successful. So it's actually more inspiring to see people fall and get back up. Yep. You know, I, if, if I had found out actually, uh, it's so funny. Jill's boyfriend was messaging me on DM while like during the snowboarding. He's like, Hey, guess what? She's sore. Cause I just joke around about how Jill's like not human. She never gets sore. She never gets sick. She's always good at everything. So he was kind of like giving me a play by play of like, Oh, guess what? She's sore. And I was just laughing. And, um, I think that if she had gone down perfectly the first time, we would I'd be like, cool, good job. But it's more of, I, I'm like so excited for her and more like good job because I know it's not easy. And I know that it takes a lot of tenacity. I know like you get so frustrated, you just literally want to cry. There's been many times where I've fallen on the mountain and cried and just like so frust- frustrated. And so it makes me want to cheer her on more and more excited than had it been super easy. So I think we need to also remember that, that people rooting for you also, not that they like to see the struggle, but they're, they're more behind you. They're more excited for you when they see the struggle and they see your success. Yep. They're more like on your team that way. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, the question always just becomes like, how do you get to the point where you're willing to, because this is catch 22. It's like, you have to take uncomfortable action in order to be successful, but it's the very last thing that you want to do. And so I think, you know, one of the things you talked about last night, and I love your, uh, your story about the trapeze and going like, okay, I don't really, I'm sorry, the, uh, you know, the acrobatic thing you did, because it's like, you don't know exactly what to do, but you have an idea. And I think we have to build a body of evidence of six wins. We have to Mm -hmm. get some like quick 
quick win. So taking small action steps that are a little bit out of your comfort zone. So for example, if you're starting your online business, don't be like, I need to make six figures this year. Be like, I'm just going to post something vulnerable on social media. Like maybe that's the first thing. And the good news about that is everything's deletable online. So yeah. it's like, oh, this sucked. This what like delete that shit. Like, so it's really, to me, it's so low risk. So yeah. taking those small steps and then instead of expecting that, like, it's going to be amazing, look back and go, wow, like I did all of this stuff over the last year. I posted on social media, however many times I've, you know, had this many sales conversations. I've done all of these and like really take that in and really realize and allow for that to give you the success moving forward and use it to leverage your ability or your self-efficacy to do the next hard thing. Mm -hmm. I think you need to build a body of evidence that you're uh, ha that you have some wins in some area yep. and you can use that to leverage to other areas. And it's all about creating momentum. That's when it's, you get the small wins, you get the small wins and then they get they seem to just get easier. They come faster and then they become bigger wins and bigger wins. Mm -hmm. And ultimately momentum is hard to start, but then once you get it going, it's so easy. It's like pushing a car that's stalled. It is so hard to get that thing moving, but once it's rolling, you could just kind of push with your finger and it's still going. Totally. And it's really about getting the momentum and going, okay, the, the beginning is just going to feel there's, it's going to feel like more resistance. It's going to feel a little scarier, but you're not going to die outside of anything dangerous. Um, and you're going to learn from it and you're going to learn every single time you make a mistake, what to do next time. Yep. So love it. yeah, baby steps. I love it so much. Me too. Let's go snowboarding. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us again. Please subscribe. Also, we are doing the Best Life podcast tour brunch with my besties this year. So maybe we'll be coming to a city near you if you want us, uh, Hit us up on social media and say, come here, come here, come here, and give us good reasons. Yep. Maybe bring us champagne. And you know, you guys, one of the things that we always, you know, are so grateful for is when you guys share on social media. So just to give you guys an insight and to just give you a little bit of, I don't know, a little bit of transparency, you know, Danny and I have been doing this podcast for about a year now. We are excited at being able to serve and have these conversations. And we're always so grateful that you guys find them interesting. Part of the business reason of why we want to start this is because we want to start increasing our reach. We want people who maybe would not, we don't really know, or they don't know us to be able to connect with us in this mode. So for us, it is a huge favor and a huge value and really just a huge gift to us when you share with your audience on social media. So when you put us in your stories and when you tag us on, you know, on your social media posts, because that's when we get introduced to new listeners, new subscribers and things like that. So if you would do that for us, that would be amazing. And also join us at our closed Facebook group, thebestlifepodcast.com. We'll direct you right to that closed Facebook group where we have conversations about each of the episodes. Check in with us. Let us know if you have any follow-up questions or if you're struggling with something or if you just, you know, have had experiences like this and you want to share. We'd love to hear. Love it. Bye right. guys. See you guys.